So we've been in this topic um, of spiritual warfare and being dressed for the occasion. And what I want to tell you about 2021 is that you will go through battles. You will go through struggles. There will be problems. Don't think just because 2020 ended that everything is going to bless up from here. It's still going to be a challenge. It's still going to be a struggle. COVID-19 is 2021. It should be gone by now, but it's still here. But guess what? So is God. So is God. In 2020, I want to recap on 2020, then I'll jump into the sermon. But 2020 was such a great year because 2020 was a year of unveiling. It was a year of unveiling that God unveiled so many things. And it was also a year of exposing. God exposed so many things. Things was unveiled. Things that you thought was constant was not constant. I remember when I used to tell people, I'm like, see, see in life, you know, the thing I love about being an entrepreneur is it's constant. No matter what happens, it's constant. You're always good. You don't have to depend on the job. You can always make your own money. Then I found out that wasn't constant. Everything I perceived to be constant, like, like small stuff, like Best Buy. Like, I can go to Best Buy whenever I want. COVID-19 was like, nope, you can't. You better go online order and pick it up at curbside. Somebody with a whole trash bag on them with some glasses popping through, handing you your stuff on a plate. So I realized that there is no constant. There's no constant. The only thing that's constant is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And nothing else is constant in our life. I realized that Jesus was the only thing stable, that our government's not stable, that media, that, that these big companies, nothing's stable but Jesus. I realized even the church ain't stable because the church was some of the most faithless people when COVID-19 hit. In the church, we didn't walk like our God was God over every sickness, every disease. We didn't act like our God was a miracle worker. We didn't act like our God was a healer. Even the pastor. Even the pastor. I saw people with COVID-19. I was like, bless it, Jesus. Bless it, Jesus. Like, don't touch me. And, and one of the funny things is a couple months back, I know this may sound crazy, but somebody had COVID-19 and they were out. And the Lord spoke to me. I didn't have on a mask because I just kind of keep my distance. It's really hard for me to breathe in a mask. If I'm close in proximity, I will put on a mask, but I just kind of like to breathe. It's just hard for me to breathe in a mask, and it, it starts messing me up. So I didn't have on a mask. And I saw someone with COVID, and instantly you're like, go, go, get, get hype, hype, got to go, got to go, <laughs> you know. And then the Lord spoke to me, and I heard him as clear as day. And some of y'all like, the Lord wouldn't do that. God's not that reckless. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to go pray for them. I said, okay, God, I got this. I pray that God will bless you and heal you. And the guy said, no, I want you to go lay hands on them. <laughs> I was like, I pray that God will bless you and heal you. He said, no, pull them in. And, and God made me pull them in and lay hands on them. And he spoke to me. He said, that sickness won't touch you. He said, if you would go pray for them. Now, that's my word. That may not be your word. Don't go out there. I'll pray for somebody with COVID. <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> no, that ain't your word. That was my word. And I went, you're going to be out there <laughs> with a ventilator. I'll just pray for them. <laughs> I pray not. Um, and literally, I would lay hands and I would pray with no mask. And God said that that sickness won't touch you. God said, because I wanted to heal this person, 
and I needed a vessel to lay hands on them. Now, this may not be the safe thing to do, but it is when you have a word from God. Because guess what? A mass ain't protection. God's word is protection. Social distancing ain't protection. God's word is protection. Somebody can touch your doorknob and you touch it. As much. Everybody that I know that social distancing did everything right, a lot of them got sick. The true protection, the only thing that you can truly count on is God. And when you take your medicine, your vitamins, when you put on your mask, you better put on your armor of God because the armor of God is what can't be penetrated. Any sickness, disease, and fear can come through a mask. I'm telling you, but it can't come through the armor of God, and it can't come through the power of God. And if you would wear the armor of God, God will protect you. And even if you got sick, God will heal you. Why? Because his armor covers all. And I want you to know, going into 2021, there are some things bigger than physical sickness. There's mental sickness, there is emotional sickness, and there is spiritual sickness. And you need to cover your insides just like you cover your outsides. And God is giving you armor to cover your life. I'm telling you right now that some of you guys are going to see things you've never seen. Some of you guys are going to go to places you never went. Some of you guys are going to take ground you never imagined you could, but you won't if you don't have the right attire. You have to have the right attire. And if you would wear the armor of God, everything will change. Now, I'm going to read this scripture every time during this series because it's the Scripture I'm coming from, and new people are coming, and I want you to know this scripture. So if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'll give you guys a second. Anybody have fun in worship today? I have fun worshiping our God. Anybody have fun worshiping God? Like, who in the building can't sing? If you can't sing, just, just scream at me right now if you can't sing. In here, lying in church, all y'all can't sing. Only three people scream. Have you ever just been in the presence of God and, like, forgot you can't sing? Well, that happens to me every single Sunday. I be worshiping God, and I be grabbing my mic, and I'm like, put that arm down, bro. <laughs> Got to put that arm down. I can sing. Just, just move the mic, Pastor. Move the mic, all right? <laughs> and I always try to make sure I, I remember to move the mic. But sometimes you're feeling it. You forget to move the mic, but it's amazing to have radiant worship because anything I would want to sing and express, the authenticity that they lead worship with, it is so refilling to me every week. And some mornings I get up, I don't feel like preaching, but when I just get to just stand on the floor and watch the strength and the courage they lead worship with every week, it gives me the strength and the inspiration to get up and preach. So I'm like, man, they're up here leading worship, Jessica up here running up the wall like Spider-Man, you know, Ivan doing black flips on the stage, you know, <laughs> Lydia shaking the stage, Jordan's up here spinning around, Matt playing a guitar upside down. I'm like, man, I can get up here and preach this gospel. Come on, somebody. Man. So Ephesians 6, chapter 10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his might, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. I'm going to park right there. I'm going to park right there. Now, I know we live in a acute day right now. And an acute day just simply means that we live in, we live in a day where... Where we live in a day of humanism, 
And, and that just simply means like everything that we see in this world, we just, we just tie it back to the physical, what we can see. We don't never take account of the spiritual. But God says every wrestle and every war in your life is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in spiritual places. My question for you is, how do you win a battle that you can't identify? You wondering why 2020 kicked you around is because you were fighting something you could not see. I don't know if I should admit I saw this movie in church, but I'm going to keep it real. And this is probably bad. My wife's probably with me later. But I watched this movie. It was called Invisible Man. Now, y'all don't judge me because you probably saw it too. I didn't know what it was, but it, it's like a thriller. You know, it ain't really scary. But um, it's this guy, and um, he, he, was, he, he did technology. And what he did was he created this suit. And this suit that he created literally made him invisible. So he can go wherever he wanted to. He can go in any room. And he would go around beating people up with an invisible suit. And the crazy thing is, it was like, no matter who he fought, he won. It was 10 cops, he won. Big people, small people, muscular people, fat people, all types of people, he fought, he won. And the reason why he won every battle, not because he was strong, not because he was courageous, not, not because he was great, he won because he was invisible. And the people he was hitting couldn't hit him back because they couldn't see him. And he was victorious, he was undefeated, and he never lost. The only way he lost was when somebody realized in order to beat this man, I'm not going to be able to beat him physically, physically and tangibly where he can see me. I'm going to have to beat him at his own game. And they went and they stole his suit. If you're going to see the movie, I'm sorry. They went and they stole his suit and they put on his invisible suit. And they went and fought him invisible and they killed him. And this is what the devil is doing. He is picking a lot of you guys off because he's fighting you guys in an invisible way. He's fighting you guys in a spiritual realm. He's fighting you in a place you can't identify. And if you would just go back into the spiritual realm, if you would pray and tap into what God is doing spiritually, you can go inside of the spiritual realm, and then your angels can have charge, and they can fight the fights you can't fight, and they can defeat the enemy you can't defeat. But in order to do it, you have to locate the battle. And many of us lost in 2020 because everything we saw was physical, but it was really spiritual. COVID-19 is coming. I saw more posts about COVID-19. Do you know who the author of COVID-19 is? Satan 06. Why is it 06? That's the number of the market to be. Satan 06 is the author of COVID-19, but nobody saw him. Nobody prayed against him. We just went and bought masks. We bought masks. Why? Why do we get masks? We got masks for our face, but we didn't get masks for our spirits. And our spirit is the root of the problem. It may show up in the physical, but it's traced back to the spiritual. I'm not saying don't take physical measures. Take those. I'm just saying add spiritual measures to your list. So you got to identify the place a battle. Verse 13, it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, not if, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Breastplate of righteousness. 
Now, we've been breaking down every week. We've been taking one of the pieces of armor, and we've been tying a sermon around it. Today, the piece of armor we're dealing with is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate of righteousness was a very unique thing. I'm going to explain to you guys what it was. It was the piece of armor that was designed to cover your chest or your heart or a lot of your major organs. And the breastplate of righteousness had these little pieces of metal on it. So if you got shot with something like an arrow or if you got hit with something sharp or you got hit with a knife or a sword or something like that, the breastplate of righteousness would stop that weapon from penetrating your heart. Because the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. In other words, God is saying, your heart is the most important thing in your life because everything flows out of your heart. Your love flows out, your joy, your peace, your faith. Everything comes out of your heart. I'm going to break down what your heart simply is here, here a little later in my message. But God says, guard it above all else. Above everything else, guard your heart. Satan is after your heart. Because if he can shut down your heart, he can shut down your life. And the same way the heart physically pumps blood through the body so you can live, it does the same thing spiritually. It pumps life through you. And literally your existence comes from your heart. It is important. It is huge. And Satan hates it. He's targeting it, and he wants to destroy it. He will use relationships. He will use work. He will use situations. He will use the storms of life to destroy your heart. The devil is after your heart. Even if he can't take your life, he wants to take your heart. Even when the devil can't kill you, he wants to kill what's inside of you. He wants to kill that joy, kill that purpose, kill that peace, kill that faith. Kill all of it so you can go forth and bear fruit. And the beautiful thing about your heart, you got to realize is, your heart is your soil. Your heart is your soil. In other words, you are a garden, and your heart is your soil. And your heart is where you plant seed at. And if you are a farmer, you realize something. That seed is cheap, but soil is expensive. Seed is cheap, but soil is expensive. And a farmer, they spend great money, and they spend great care getting the right soil. You can get just about any seed and plant it, but if the ground's not right, nothing grows. And Satan is after your heart. He's after your ground. So when God gives you seeds of faith, they don't grow into fruition. God has given some of you guys a seed for 2021. I'm telling you right now, my relationship, we're going to serve God. I'm going to trust God in my business. I'm going to trust God at my job. I'm going to serve in the church. God is giving you new seeds for 2021. But if the soil is not right, that seed won't bear fruit. So, 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 you have to make sure the ground is right. You got to make sure your heart is right in 2021. Because let me tell you something. If you have the same heart in 2021 that you had in 2020, you're going to have the same results. Because your results is traced back to your heart. And God says that's why you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your field. Because just like God can put seeds in your field, Satan can put seeds in your field. Just like God can put faith in your field, the devil can put doubt in your field. Just like God can put joy in your field, the devil can put sorrow in your field. Just like God can put peace in your field, the devil can put chaos in your field. And what you have to do is guard your field with all diligence and not let that devil come into your field planting seeds that was never designed to be there. You have to guard your field. 
Guard it with all diligence. Protect it because there's an enemy trying to devour it. And in 2021, with all of these seeds of faith, you better believe Satan is behind the scenes plotting with seeds of fear. And you better believe he is going to fight you. He's going to fight your relationship. He's going to fight your job. He's not going to let you walk into victory. The enemy hates you. And the reason why he hates you is because he ain't you. He hates you because he ain't you. And the reason why he ain't you is because everything he ever wanted, God gave to you. Satan in heaven, when he was kicked out of heaven, here's what took place if you don't know. He said, I will be like the most high God. He got filled with iniquity and pride, and he wanted to be like God. He said that he would ascend upon the throne. God said, psych, get out of here, and he got kicked out of heaven. God said, devil, you will never be like me. Your best days was worshiping me, but you would never be like me. But guess what, devil, while you sit down there and look in that serpent, I'm about to create something that's going to be just like me. Let me make man in our image and after our likeness. And God crowned us with dominion. We had dominion and we had the image of God, and that's what Satan never had, and that's what he always wanted. So he said, because they're like you and I'm not, I'm going to attack them to mock you. And now this, now it's this cosmic war between dark and light and between Satan and God's people. You misplaced the battle. You said there's a fight between Jesus and the devil. And you got Facebook posts up and you got this monster with red horns and you got Jesus sitting there skinny next to the monster. And you're like, swipe if you like the monster and like if you like Jesus. Wrong. You should have put a picture of you next to that devil because the devil is not God's adversary. He's your adversary. The Bible says your adversary goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he may devour the one that's not protecting their field. He is your enemy. He has on the jersey of darkness playing against you, not God. The last time he lined up with God, the Bible says like lightning, he was cast out. I don't know how many miles lightning travel, but boy, it'd be in the sky, then it'd be on the floor. I'm like, whoa, that's how fast Satan was kicked out of heaven. There was no fight. You don't fight with God. He don't have no rivals. He don't have no equals. He don't have no competitors. He is God alone. He is omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign. He has all power and might. He don't have no rivals, but guess what? You do, and it is this flesh and blood that you carry that he's attacking. And you have to go into 2021 understanding the spirit. See, I was going to preach a sermon. I was going to preach, you know, 2021, your best life has just begun. And God said, no. He said, you better equip my people for battle because the devil is coming to take them out. Don't you get up there and give some motivational speech. No, my people need to be assembled for battle. My people are soldiers in the army of God. So I want you to know, you have to guard your heart, 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 because out of it flows the issues of life. Now, now, in church, they're always real deep. And I don't ever, like, guard your heart. What does that mean? Like, don't let no one say something mean to me and let it get in my heart? Like, what does guard your heart mean? Well, before I can tell you to guard your heart, I first have to teach you how to locate your heart. Because your heart is not, you know, you see a cute boy and you're like, ah, my heart. That ain't your heart. That's your emotions. Maybe a piece of your heart, but that ain't your heart. My chest is fluttering. No, no. 
Here's what your heart is. So, your heart is your second mind. Your heart is your second mind. I just felt the spirit of teacher just hit me right now. It's your second mind. In other words, go a little scientific. If you grab the person, their mind has two different departments. You have a conscious mind and you have a subconscious mind. Your conscious mind is what you're aware of. It's the part of your mind where you're like, okay, I'm in church. Pastor's yelling at me. Why is he yelling at me? Why is the large black guy screaming on the stage? Like, I'm hungry. I, I hope the line is short. Oh, that was awesome. I really like that song. Quit texting me in church. I'll text you after. And everything you're physically thinking in the moment. Oh, man, I got work tomorrow. I got to get up at 7. I got to deal with them again. All of that is your conscious mind. And it's what you think in that moment. But then you have a subconscious mind. And the word sub means under. You have a mind that's under your mind. You have a mind that's under your mind. And that sub mind is fed by your conscious mind. I'm going to make it visual. I'm going to make it visual. Your sub-mind is your dirt. If we have a garden, it's your garden. It's the dirt. It's the soil. Your conscious mind is like the man that's over the farm. He's the guy that's there orchestrating the farm, deciding what kind of seed we're planting. Is it potatoes? Is it oranges? Is it apples? So he's the guy that's working the field, and it's his field. But that subconscious mind, he can't really control it. It kind of does his own thing. He can't make it do one thing or another. All he can do is put seed on it, seed in it, and if it's a good mind, it will respond. That's how your subconscious mind is. It gets seeds from your conscious mind, and they're planting inside of your subconscious mind, and it gives you an action or a response or a feeling or an emotion or faith or fear based on what was sown into it. Am I breaking this down? So, let me give you an example of your subconscious mind. Let me give you an example. I just saw someone right now, I just saw someone right now rub their face. And I saw another person blink. Guess what? Do you know since you've been sitting here, you have probably blinked 300 times. Who in here ever thought, close your eye, open your eye. 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 That's what blinking is. Now blink. You're thinking about it. But you blink 300 times and it never crossed your mind. Why did blinking never cross your mind? It's because when you were a baby, you would keep your eyes open. And you would keep your eyes open and they would dry out because you'd never close them to, to bring them moisture. And when they would dry out, you would say, I need to close my eyes. And you would close your eyes every time they dried out. At that point, you created a stimuli or stimulus, and you created a behavior. You created a habit, and that habit was, it was a seed that told your subconscious mind, every time your eyes are dry, close them. Every time your eyes are dry, close them. Every time your eyes are dry, close them. Then you're walking through your life, and you're just closing your eyes without thinking. The problem is the same way you form that habit to close your eyes is the same way you formed a habit of fear, worry, depression, and anxiety. So now trauma hits you. Then you, ah, ah, ah. 
And then after a few months of doing that from a childhood, soon as something bad happened, see, I knew this was going to happen. I knew 2021 was going to be just like 2020. I knew I was going to not be nothing. I knew no one loved me. No one cared. The church don't really care about me. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And the sad part about it is you are responding and you never thought about it. It never crossed. It was instinctive. It was a stimuli. And you instinctively responded. And now you have these habits of fear and anxiety and worry and depression and lust. That's why Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman with lust in his heart has already committed sin. Why? Because Jesus says, what you see through your heart will come out. If it's in your heart, it will be in your life. It will be in your life, whatever's in your heart. That's why Jesus said, hey, if you look at it with lust, we're going to go ahead and document that. Because it is money every time you're going to do the act. You're going to do the act. So Jesus is saying, I'm not just looking at your actions. I'm looking at the motivation of your actions. And that is based on your soil. It's based on your soil. So in other words, Jesus is saying... I don't only want you to not do certain things. I want you to remove those things from your heart. I don't only want you to not be angry. I want you to remove anger from your heart. It's like the little boy that was at church, and he was mad at his mom because he was trying to nap. She kept on pinching him. He said, Mama, quit pinching me. And she kept on pinching him. He said, Mama, quit pinching me. And he was sitting down on the seat, and he was hot. He was hot. He was mad. He was mad. And somebody walked up to him, and they said, Little boy, are you okay? You look mad. He said, I'm telling you right now, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. I am mad. My mama keep pinching me. And some of you guys may not be standing up on on the outside, but you're standing up on the inside, and Jesus don't only want you to sit externally, he wants you to sit internally. He don't only want you to not react in anger, he wants you to not indulge in anger. And in order to do that, you have to fix and recorrect your heart. You have to recorrect your heart. You have to fix your heart. Translation, you have to take inventory of your heart. Inventory, inventory, inventory. Let me borrow a couple people. Can I borrow you now? Can I borrow you? Can you come up here? Borrow a couple people. Rodney, can you come up here? Let me get one more person. Let me see. Let me see. Let me get my boy Austin. I know he's like, ah, oh, man. Let me get Austin. Did you guys come up here? Stop right here. You guys can line up. Come right here. Austin, you can come right here. All right. Now, I want you guys to do me a favor. Can you guys walk over here to me? Walk towards me. Walk towards me. All right. All right, stop. Now, I got a question for you guys. I just want to show this to you guys. I want to demonstrate the heart. When you guys got up, when I called you up here, conscious, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm nervous. I'm on camera. Like, all the different emotions happen. But did any one of you guys think right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, turn, turn again, left foot, right, left, right, left, right. Did any of you guys think that? You, that didn't cross your mind when you came up here. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did they get up here? Like, like did their body just, just glide up here? Did they, 
Like, they made it all the way up the stage, and they never thought about walking. Now, let me ask you this question. Walk towards me. Now, that time, did you think about walking? You, you thought, like, okay. <laughs> now, check this out. Check this out. The first time they walked up here, they wasn't even aware they was walking. And what happens in our life is you're walking in fear and don't even know it. Walking in anxiety and don't even know it. Walking in worry, don't even know it. Walking in depression, don't even know it. Why? Because it's instinctive. They've been walking their whole life. They don't have to consciously think about it no more. And in order to fix their walk, they have to consciously think about it. See, I can change their walk. I can change their walk. I need you guys to take baby steps and come towards me. Baby steps, baby steps. Look, look, look. They, can, look. they walk up here like this. I asked them to take baby steps, and guess what they were capable of doing? They was capable of taking baby steps. But what they had to do was they had to move their walking from their subconscious mind back up to their conscious mind. They had to move it from habit to intentional. And when they, when I intentionally told them to change their walk, they could. And some of you guys to get out of fear, worry, anxiety in 2020, you're going to have to intentionally change the way you view things, change the way you talk, change the way you walk, change the way you perceive. So how do I change? You change with your conscious mind. Anything you do you don't like, you have to shift your mind from letting yourself naturally respond to start taking intentional inventory. Come on, y'all, give them a hand. Thank y'all. Intentional inventory. So guess what? When pressure hits you, you can't just respond because you got a seed of panic that's been sown since you were a baby. And there's this seed of panic that's no longer a seed because when a seed is in soil, guess what it does? It turns into a tree. You have a tree of panic. And that tree is just waiting on pressure. And when pressure happens, ah! Ah! I'm not crazy, I promise. Ah! Got to break it down. So now, now pressure happens, panic. Kids are acting crazy, panic. Husband's acting up, panic. Overwhelmed, panic. Starbucks is out, panic. Chick-fil-A line is too long, panic. And you just panic and you panic and you panic and you panic and you panic. And then you have the nerve to say, this just how I am. This just how I am. No, this is how you created yourself to be. This is not how you are. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the splendor of God. God doesn't have no defects. No, God only has originals and intentionals. You were formed by God in your mother's womb. He formed you and he knitted you and he ordained you. You're not a mistake. You were built on purpose for a purpose with a purpose. I'm telling you, you are beautiful. You are called and you are anointed. This ain't just how you are. Let me tell you how you are. You are one that walks in love care, grace, splendor, and authority. No, that may have been how you were, but it's not how you are because let me tell you how you are. Jesus said, whoever is in me is a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when God brought new stuff, he didn't bring broken stuff. He brought healed stuff, restored stuff, and whole stuff. That's who you were, but it's not who you are. It's not. 
It's not who you are. You're not a person of fear. You are a person of faith. You're not a person of worry. You are a person of patience. You're new. You're new. But guess what? God gives you a new spirit, but you keep the old heart. The Bible calls it the carnal man. The carnal man. The carnal man. And now there's a war going on inside of you because you have this field that you've planted seed in your whole entire life. And there's trees up everywhere. And then God came and gave you a new spirit. He gave you the new seeds to put in that field. But the only problem is God said, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. God said in order to transform, to transform means to change. Have you ever seen the Transformers, Optimus Prime, Bumblebee and them? Like, like you have to, there was a card and there was a monster. Like, you got to transform, you got to change. But Jesus said in Romans, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, it means don't take on the form of this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you are going to transform, you have to renew your mind. And when he says renewing of your mind, he's not talking about your conscious mind. He's talking about your subconscious mind. So God is saying, if you're going to change, you have to remove everything that was previously planted before you became new in Christ Jesus. And that's why most people never change because they can't even find the field. They're just doing stuff and acting and stuff. And that's why you've done that and you, you just keep doing that. And that's why you keep picking that kind of guy and you keep picking that kind of girl and you keep doing these things and you keep drinking and you keep doing the same things over and over and over and over again. It's because you are programmed. You're programmed. Programmed to fail. Wired to succeed. Programmed to fail. Wired to succeed. Because your wiring comes from God but your programming comes from you. And now you're programmed. You have stuff planted in that field. You got trees of doubt, worry, anxiety, negativity. Some of you guys just negative. No, I ain't gonna be like that. Nobody gonna love me. They ain't gonna love me and don't trust no man. And you no, know, it's negative. They ain't gonna pay it and it ain't what you think it is. See, they ain't what you think. See, see, you just be, they be manipulating you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Negative. Don't got no faith, no joy. Somebody come to you, I believe this year is going to be great. I'm starting a business. Well, you can't start a business in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't even think the IRS is open right now to even get, a, even get an LLC right now. Uh, you're just a Scrooge. Because you have some bad stuff that happened in your life and you got life and you have this big old tree of negativity and you're negative you can't be happy for nobody you can't celebrate nobody you can't rejoice with nobody because you got a tree of negativity in your field and if you're going to change you have to chop that tree that's why if you notice most people never change that's why when you get in trouble with the law, they say three strikes, you're out. Why? 
You got one strike, there was some stuff in your field that got you that. You got a second strike, there was some stuff in your field that got you that. And if you didn't change it the first or the second time, odds are the third time you will never change it. And most people that's been in jail twice go back a third time. I think it's over 90%. Why? Because the same tree in their field that got them in jail the first time, that same tree is going to get them in jail a second time. Most people that cheat, they cheat again. Unless they chop down that tree. Because there was a tree of insecurity that made you do that. And it's okay, we all make mistakes, but you have to wage war on that tree. And how do you do it? In order to remove something from the subconscious mind, you have to use the conscious mind. Remember I said the conscious mind was like the farmer in the field and the subconscious mind is like the soil? Well, if the farmer had an apple tree and it was just a problematic and he wanted to get rid of that apple tree, he would have to go and grab an ax and he would have to come and chop down that tree. And he would have to keep chopping it and he would have to remove it and then he would have to remove the root systems of that tree if not, if he left the he can leave the tree in the yard. This is what some of you guys do. You leave the tree in the yard, you come up to the apple tree. <laughs> Mr. Apple Tree, right now, stop producing apples. We don't want no apples. Stop giving us apples. And you walk off, and then, boom, there's an apple. I told you to quit producing apples. It's in the nature of an apple tree to produce apples. If you want the tree to stop producing apples, you have to cut the root of the tree. Some of you guys get your ladder. You know what? I'm going to deal with these apples one time for good. And you get your little ladder, your little electrical ladder. You climb up and you pull off every apple off the tree. You know, the apple, you know, I got some for you. You come back next season, boop, 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 apples everywhere. Why? Oh, I'm going to cut these branches down. They grow back. And what happens is some of you guys start dealing with your issue, but you let up too fast. You let up. You deal with it for a money go away. You deal with that alcoholism, that drinking problem, that smoking problem, that cigarette problem, that lust problem. You deal with it for a month or two, and guess what? It shows up again. I got bad news and good news for you. A new year won't change your life, but a renewed mind will. A new year won't change your life, but a renewed mind will. You guys are giving 2021 too much. In 2021, in 20, no, in my mind, in my mind, in my mind. Because 20, let me teach you something about 2021. You said the same thing in 2020. You said the same thing in 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, and you're still the same. Why? Because you're depending on a year to bring change, but God said only a mind could bring change. So you, I'm going to get ready to close. I got my keyboard player. You have to take inventory on your mind. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. See if I got the scripture in here. Oh, yeah, I got it. 
And um, you could, I'll tell you when to start playing for me. I'm going to read this scripture because when that altar music hit, I just end up shifting up. I'm going to stand this vein for a second. So you sit there. I'll let you know when I'm ready. When that music comes on, you got to be like, in God. You know, you got to get all mystical and spiritual. Ain't ready for that yet. Y'all getting a whooping today. Came the church to be motivated and encouraged and pastors just telling me that if I don't renew my mind, I'm going to be the same. Yep. Yep. It says in Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh. Translation. No, the Bible can be a little complicated if you're new to church. It says basically we live in this physical world, right? It says we do not war according to the flesh. We don't war. Our battle is not here in the physical. It said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical or tangible. They're not guns or knives. But mighty in God. Mighty in God. See, you're not mighty in you. You're flawed. You're weak. You'll bend. Only way you can be mighty is in God. In God. Mighty in God. Not my strength, God's strength. Not my will, God's will. Not my way, God's way. Not my path, God's path. Okay? This is mighty in God. For. There's a reason. For. Whenever you see for in the Bible, you got to see what it's there for. For. Why are you mighty in God? You're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a hold that has you strong. It's like a big tree. Have you ever seen a big old tree? There's small trees you can pull on them and bend, but have you seen a big tree, a strong tree, a, a stronghold? It has a stronghold in that ground. It ain't budging. I've seen the little people with the tractors and the chainsaws. I've seen some trees like, I ain't going, I ain't going. Try again. Wrong one. Try again. A strong hold. It says, mighty in God for the pulling down. You have to pull them down. Casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience to Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I'm going to break down this scripture and then I'm going to close. Okay. So, a stronghold, a stronghold. A stronghold is a hold that has you strong. It is something that's been there for a long time. It is a hold of old. A hold of old. It's been here. And guess what? You want to know some of these strongholds are so strong that it's been here before you. That biologically, some of this stuff is passed down to you. Biologically and spiritually. Yeah, well, you know, I just deal with worrying. Man, that could have been passed down 12 generations. I deal with lust. This can go back 50 generations. You ain't just fighting your battles. You're fighting the battles of your ancestors. You're not fighting, you're not fighting the war of your first name. You're probably fighting the war of your last name. Stronghold. And my family, my family, there was a stronghold of, of amazing, gifted, talented, quality people. Like, everyone in my family is extremely talented, good at what they do. Everybody. But nobody ever did anything with it. 
on my mom's side, everybody. Talented, smart, good, articulate. I got 300 cousins that could probably get up and preach better than me, but they're not doing it. Why? Because the Johnson name has strongholds. And as far as I could trace it back, it was wasted potential. People that would talk but never act. People that wouldn't respond in faith and walk in faith. People that would dream but would never act. And it was a stronghold. And every time I got ready to do something for God, I felt the chains and the shackles snatch me every time I tried to move. And it had nothing to do with me. I was fighting my generations. I was fighting my lineage. I was fighting my line. Because God is the God of Isaac, Abraham, and ja Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But guess what? So is the devil. He's a generational devil, and the same demons that was assigned to your grandparents are assigned to you. And it is strong. Some of this stuff been in your family for 500 years. That lust been here way in the 1700s on your generation, taking every man out. That worry, taking every woman out. That fear, taking every man out. That doubt, taking every woman out. Sitting on your line. And the beautiful thing about God is he just needs one. He just needs one. He don't need ten. He don't need five. He don't need two. He just needs one. That the children of Israel in bondage, God said, I just need one man that will lead you out. I just need one man. Just one of y'all. If one of y'all would have the faith, you would break the chain of the family. Goliath's tempting the children of Israel. If one of you, if one of you would just stand your ground to that giant, he will fall and nobody else got to fight him. If just one would stand, if just one would fight, if one would take ground. And I'm telling you, this thing may have ran in my family, but glory to God, it stopped when it ran into me because I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for their kids. I'm going to fight the devil that my grandpa wouldn't fight, that his brothers wouldn't fight, that his uncles wouldn't fight. I'm telling you right now, by the power of God, I'm going to break the chain, break the yoke, Break the back of the devil. I'm going to stand mighty in God, not in myself. I'm going to pull down this stronghold. Yeah, this tree is big. It may be 100 feet tall, but guess what? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. I'm going I'm to fight this tree. I'm going to chop this tree. This thing coming down. My son won't fight it. My daughter won't fight it. My kids won't fight it. Praise God, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. Everyone on my mom's side of the family called the ministry. I'm the only one that started a church. They all grew up talking about it. I didn't even grow up knowing God. And I did it. Why? It was pressure. It was pain. It was endurance. And Satan hard pressed me to get me to quit. But I had a secret. I was mighty in God. I was mighty in God. See, see, to, to, to walk in destiny, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep walking in faith. I'm telling you, God won't give it to you. Stop talking to somebody in this room because you have a dream and a destiny from God. God won't give it to you because you can do it. 
God's going to give it to you because you can stand it. Ephesians 6 says, stand firm. God's going to give the call to the person that won't fold. That won't fold. I'm not up here at Radiant Church preaching because I can preach. Everybody can preach. God put me up here because he knows I'll stand in them. He knows no matter what happens, I found the secret. And the secret is God. And if I'm just mighty in him, I can endure any storm, any rain, pain, pressure. Though he slay me, yet I trust him. I trust him. Jesus didn't pick the disciples because they were smart. They were dumb. They weren't under no rabbis. They stink. They had fish on them. Jesus picked them because he knew when he left, they wouldn't. Let me say it again. He knew when he left, they wouldn't. And every last one of those disciples that people laughed at and criticized, they were martyred for their Christ. Peter said, crucify me upside down because I ain't worthy to be crucified right side up. Man, I may not be the smartest person. I may have a hot temper. I may cut people's ears off, not me, Peter. But guess what I'm going to do? I won't fold. And guess what? Maybe I did fold. Maybe I did deny him three times. But you better keep reading. You better go to the book of Acts. You better keep reading the eyewitnesses and the testimony accounts. I ran this race good. I ran with perseverance. I ran without being weary and without falling tired. Many came, many started, many fell, but I'm still standing. I'm telling you, I got saved with hundreds of people. I don't know where they at, but I know where I'm at. I'm standing on the same cross that I was standing on 12 years ago. And you come back in 12 years, I'm still standing. Come back in 12 more years, still standing. Come back in 12 more years, still standing. Why? It's not because you can do it. It's because you can stand it. I feel like the rock right there. You Do you smell what the rock is cooking? So... You can give me my spiritual music now. Now we can phase out of this. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, CJ, that's it right there. Man. It says, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, and the pulling down of strongholds. Now, in order to fight the subconscious mind, you have to use your conscious mind. And let me tell you what you're going to have to do. It gives it to you plain as day. If you would just do it, if you would simply do this, you will win. No matter what happens, no matter what the storm is, no matter what the pain is, if you would just do, verse 5, if you would just commit yourself to do it, and the thing is, you have to do it for a while. If this curse runs back 500 years, the Bible says, I believe in Deuteronomy, that the curses of the fathers fall down on the sons. So if this is a five-year thing, you can't do it for five weeks and expect breakthrough. You got to run this race with endurance, with endurance. It's not for the weak and it's not for the swift, but it's for those that endure. You got to have perseverance and endurance. Verse 5, it says, cast down arguments. What is an argument? An argument is built on a contradiction. An argument is built on a contradiction. And someone says, well, this person's good. And someone says, no, that person ain't good, man. That person, I'll tell you why they ain't good. They're contradicting the statement. When you and your wife get into an argument or you and your husband, 
you guys are cut your name. Well, you know, you ain't never spent no time with me. I, mean, I always spent time with you. No, you don't, you don't spend time with me. Y'all do. You don't never call me. You always. It's a contradiction. It's an argument. It's, it's, it's when there's a line and two people on the opposite side of the line. He's saying that what you're supposed to do and be, life would bring thoughts and circumstances that would contradict it. So God's going to say to some of you guys, hey, you're called to be a preacher. You're called to be a worship leader. You're called to be a business person. And life is going to say, no, you're not. No, you're not. Life, God said, you're called to plant a church. Money said, no, you're not. <laughs> gotcha. Because it costs to plant a church. And it was an argument. And what do we do with an argument? It says you have to cast down arguments. You can't let them sit up. You got to cast them down. When you try to walk in faith, arguments are going to come. No, 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 no. Be afraid. This is going to happen. It happened last time. You don't worry. Depression, anxiety. No, it's, it's going to be bad. No one loves you. No one cares. No one's here. You're alone. Argument. Imaginations of every high thing that exhausts itself. Have you ever just imagined bad things happening? You're just sitting there and you close your eyes. You can see it. You can see yourself failing. I remember, I, I remember that I would have this vision of preaching in front of a large audience and slipping and falling. And I would have this, this vision over and over, this imagination of me getting ready to do something for God and it going terrible. We was lunching our church. I would have imaginations of falling, planning, throwing up on stage, getting sick. Imaginations, high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God because the knowledge of God says, son, you were made for this. You were called for this. You're the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. Then it says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, which means every thought concerning this issue, you have to take captive. You can't afford to let those thoughts pass through. Last thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to close. Let's take a situation. Let's take a situation where, let's say you deal with lust. You know a lot of men deal with that one. You deal with lust. Hey, I dealt with lust. I had to overcome it. You want to know how I overcame lust? I had to take every thought captive. When I was out and there was a woman, captive. On social media, captive. At high school, because it's where it started, captive. The gym, captive. Volleyball games, come on, I'm at somebody's house right now. Like, I'm all in your room right now. Captive. Work, captive. And I never, for at least a year or two, I never let my mind slip, ever. Anything that had to do with women, I took everything. I, would I wouldn't even look. Wouldn't look, wouldn't think about looking, wouldn't dare to look. Why? Not because God would judge me or be mad at me or send me to hell. It's because I had to take it captive. And then one day I woke up in the morning, and the appetite and the desire to look was gone. And I wouldn't even see it. I was oblivious to it. Why? Because I took it captive. I don't know what your situation is, your struggle, your sin, the thing that maybe you feel like separating you from God. Really, none separates you. You can always press in. But whatever you want to do in 2021 that you didn't do in 2020, there is some thought you're going to have to take captive to have the perseverance to run strong.